0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story and it's so true, but I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. How exciting to be able to order and have a special panel for baby quilts that isn't found anywhere else. Sue Stafford was able to arrange to have a special printing of a favorite panel and soon should have it available at her shop, Serendipity, in Waldo, Ohio. Sue is a competitive quilter and has a lifetime of experience to pass on to others. Sue, I am so happy to have you on A Quilter's Life today. Thanks for being on.
1: I'm happy to be on. I'm honored to be on. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh.
0: Tell me, where were you born and
1: raised? I was born and raised in Maumee, Ohio. I graduated from Maumee High School. I lived with my grandparents. Even though I had two sisters, I lived with my grandparents. So I was kind of raised as an only child.
0: Interesting. Did you get to see your sisters very often?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Good. And my mother and father, yes. At least once a week, if not more often.
0: Oh, good. Do you have a special childhood memory?
1: Well, since I was raised as an only child and in the country, so my dog was my best friend. Of course, I was a child during World War II. So at one point, my grandparents brought in a huge pile of topsoil for some project they were doing. And my dog and I dug foxholes in the pile of topsoil.
0: Oh, fun. I bet you spent (laughs) hours making those. Right. We did. Besides having a quilting business, did you have other employment?
1: Yes. I spent one year at Bowling Green State University, and then I graduated from Ohio State University in 1970. I took a job at what was then Riverside Methodist Hospital in Columbus, Ohio. It is now part of the Ohio Health Project. I was the first social worker ever hired by the hospital, and I developed the medical social services department for the hospital, and I spent 20 years there.
0: Wow. What a responsibility and privilege to be able to set that up. Yes, it was. And where do you live now, and how did you get there from where you were born and raised? My
1: husband-to-be at the time and I came down to Ohio State at the same time. Once we got married, I put my education off, and I worked as a typist for several years while he graduated from Ohio State with a degree in electrical engineering, Then I had my child, my only child, a boy, and when he was six years old and started school, I went back to Ohio State and finished my education. And then, as I said, in 1970, I took the job at Riverside Hospital, and I loved every minute of it.
0: So that whole time, were you up in Waldo and traveled down for school, or did you move to Waldo later?
1: We lived in two or three places in the Columbus area, and then we moved to Delaware County. In 1970, my husband and I built a very large Carolina farmhouse, and we built it with our own hands. We had a couple things contracted out, but other than that, we did all of the construction. Then he died in 1993 Before my husband died, we discussed the fact that I would wait two years, and then I would look for another place, because by this time, I had several dogs. I had started to breed Airedale Terriers. So I waited two years, and then it took me two years to find the place that I live in now in Waldo.
0: Okay. As a side note, when I saw Waldo, Ohio, I had not heard of that before in... I grew up in California in a place called Runnert Park, and it was named after the man who used to own that property who was called Waldo Runnert, and that was the elementary school I went to. So whenever I see Waldo, I think of going to elementary school. Well, you
1: know, I do a lot of quilt shows, and everybody's always asking me, where's Waldo, where's Waldo? <laughs> so for this year's quilt shows, I'm having a little write-up done on the back of business card about where is Waldo. That's great. The vendors next to me at the quilt shows get very tired of hearing people ask, where is Waldo, and my telling them, where is Waldo? 30 miles north of Columbus, Ohio, off of Route 23, halfway between Delaware, Ohio, and Marion, Ohio. (laughs)
0: Before we get into my other questions, I'm curious how you got
1: into breeding Airedales. I long time had an interest in breeding Airedales. And by 1980, I was finally able to do it. At the same time, I was working on my career at Riverside Hospital. Being the director of the department, I had the job of working with patients on the Neurosurgery and neurology units, many of them bad accidents where people became quadriplegics or maybe even worse than that. It was accidents and occasionally it was a hospital accident, usually an accident in the operating room. And so all I ever could do for my clients was put a band aid on a very bad situation. When I bred my first litter of Airedales in 1980 and the people left my house smiling with a puppy in their arms, I was hooked. Because I was really making somebody happy instead of making somebody less sad or less devastated.
0: I like the Airedales
1: don't shed as much as some other dogs. That's right. And since 1980, I have bred some of the top Airedales in the country. Oh, wow. Bred and shown them. At the moment, I have 11 puppies downstairs.
0: Oh boy!
1: They were pretty noisy about a half an hour ago. I was talking to a friend on the telephone and I said, well, I'm trying to move them to two meals a day. And she said, just throw some dog biscuits in their pens. So that's what I did. I did, however, come upstairs in case they decide to get noisy again.
0: (laughs) Uh, They must be so cute, though. They are. So do you also show them?
1: Well, I showed them until the pandemic. I haven't shown since the pandemic, but just now I'm getting a dog ready to go out. It takes about four months to get them in show condition.
0: Interesting. There's always more detail to situation than we think isn't there
1: oh that's right a lot more work a lot of work goes into an Airedale to be able to show it because all the hair is pulled out by hand and allowed to go back into a certain length and it's a different length on different parts of the body wow so it's a real art to groom an Airedale and some of the other terriers as well
0: it seems to me that there's A standard color for them. Are there other colors?
1: Not legitimately. They're all black and tan or black and red. They have black saddles, and their legs and their face can be anywhere from a light tan to almost a brilliant red color. Neat. When they're born, however, they look like baby Rottweilers. They just have a little brown on their feet and little brown eyebrows, maybe a little around their nose. And then over their first year of age, all that black recedes until it's just a black saddle and everything else is tan on them.
0: Oh, wow. Puppies are so cute. Let's get back to some of my other questions now. Besides quilting, are there other
1: crafts? That you do or have done? Well, I started out in making garments. And actually, until I was about 40, I had never had a garment purchased at a store. I made all my own clothes. When I was about 40, I got very busy with my career and other things, and I quit making garments and really have tried to get back into it, but haven't been very successful. Around 1980, I made my first quilt, and it was a quilt with 12 blocks, a tree for each month, and an Airedale under the tree. I have to say, I never finished it. It's still laying around here someplace.
0: Oh, wow. Do you still have hopes of finishing it?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I keep it just in case.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you have your Airedale's and your quilting. Are there any other hobbies you have? Nope, that's it. (laughs) And my other question is, do your hobbies show up in your quilting, but evidently the Airedale quilt isn't making it?
1: I have made a few Airedale quilts over the years for donations to various clubs or groups.
0: Oh, good. Do you usually do applique with those or...?
1: pieces. Yes, I usually do applique. I kind of specialize in machine applique, satin stitch applique. Okay.
0: How were you introduced to quilting?
1: I wasn't really introduced to it. One day I just decided that's what I was going to do. And I started the Airedale Quilt. For many years, I went to Nelsonville Quilt Company. That was my favorite quilt store, and I would go down there once a month and buy fabrics and started making quilt. Then I took a very, very part-time job at a local quilt store. In other words, I worked only when she had a sale or when she was desperate for somebody to work. I worked for her for two or three years. Started thinking about opening my own shop, but I didn't want to compete with the person who I'd been working for. One day, she announced that she was closing her store, and I said, okay, I will open mine. So I opened in 2009 in the midst of the economic downfall that we had in 2009. Oh, that was a hard start. Yes, it was. Well, I'm going to
0: get to your shop here in a little bit, but do you have a favorite quilt?
1: I don't. I don't have the degree of respect that a lot of people have for antique quilts. I understand all the effort that went into them, how much time they took. But I am more of a modern quilter. Mm-hmm.
0: Tell me about a tool that you love to use.
1: I love my rulers. I think rulers are the greatest thing that has happened to quilters. About, oh, six, seven years ago, when fabric prices started to increase, the ruler people, at least the creative grid, which is what I sell and use, started making rulers that were very saving of fabric. An example I can give you is the pineapple ruler. The pineapple pattern is often very wasteful of fabrics. The only wasted fabric you have with the rulers is a tiny little triangle from the end of each strip. And I'm of the opinion that quilters have a certain amount of money that they are going to spend on quilting. So there's no reason for them to have to waste fabric.
0: Mm-hmm. That's really helpful too, isn't it?
1: Yes. I just love the rulers.
0: While making your quilts, do you like each step or is there a particular step you look forward to?
1: In my studio, I design 99% of my quilts, so I really enjoy the designing process. As a matter of fact, I do not sell patterns because I design all my own quilts. I like the designing, and I like if it's a piece quilt or an applique quilt, I like that part. I like making each and every block because I think each and every block is a little piece of art. Once I put the top together, I'm not thrilled with putting the borders on or even finishing off the quilt. What I dislike most of all is putting the long seams of putting the long borders on.
0: Yeah. It's exciting seeing it come together, though, when you're putting the blocks together. Yes, it is. Can you share with me your worst quilting experience?
1: Well, I can't say it was a bad experience. The most notable one is these days, quilters complain that they spend a lot of time on making quilts and that their recipients, usually younger people, don't appreciate them. I had a lady come into my shop and She said, I spent two years making a quilt, and I gave it to my daughter-in-law, and I was disappointed and devastated. So you wonder what's coming next. I mean, you're imagining all kinds of things. Often people will say, the dog sleeps on it. So I'm looking at this lady wondering what she's going to say next. She says, I gave it to my daughter-in-law and she put it on the bed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking, well, yes. Well, she put it on the bed and then she washed it. I said, well, what did you want her to do with it? I wanted her to hang it on the wall and treasure it. So in my studio... I make great use of panels. Panels used to be cheaters, but we now have beautiful fabric artists and they make beautiful panels, really too beautiful to cut up into little pieces and put back together again. So I tell my customers, take one of these beautiful panels and they're getting bigger and bigger. I think the last one I got in is 42 inches wide, which is, of course, as wide as they can make them, and 48 inches long. It's a lap size quilt in and of itself. So I tell my customers, take a beautiful panel, put borders on it. If you want to do a little piecework around in the borders, do so. But don't put so much effort in it that you're going to be disappointed with what the recipient does with the quilt. Yeah. You can give a beautiful quilt. They will probably love it. And everybody's happy.
0: Isn't it funny the different responses or expectations we have?
1: Yes. The last few years, it's become kind of a chronic complaint that quilters are spending all this time making beautiful quilts And the recipients do not appreciate them. So I'm thinking, make them something that they will like and will appreciate to the extent that they can appreciate it. And you don't have that big an investment in it. Mm -hmm. But you still created a work of art.
0: Yeah. In thinking back, what do you think drew you to making quilts rather than spending your time doing something else? I think because
1: I've always liked to sew, and obviously there are other hobbies, but I had the sewing background, and so it was easy for me to transition to quilting. I enjoy doing it. My studio actually has a guild attached to it, and we make a lot of charity quilts. We make charity quilts for Flying Horse Farms. Snuggled in Hope is the organization that makes quilts for Flying Horse Farms. Do you know Flying Horse Farms is Paul Newman's camps for seriously ill or disabled children?
0: Oh tell me about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, well every summer flying horse farms requires about eight hundred to a thousand quilts. They get them, of course, from all kinds of guilds and all kinds of places. We just kind of help with that. Every child that comes to camp gets to take home the quilt that is on their bed when they come to camp. Every bed has a quilt on it, and that child gets to take that quilt home. Nice. It's very worthy. The other thing we do is we make a lot of military quilts. Our local Delaware County Fair has a veterans dinner. Every year, and we make military quilts to be given out at the veterans' dinner.
0: Wow! I bet that's really appreciated too.
1: No one appreciates quilt efforts more than the veterans. They really are a most appreciative group. Mm-hmm.
0: Who do you personally make your quilts for?
1: I make them for the military. I donate a lot of fabrics. I don't make so many for Snuggled and Hope because so many of my guild members stole for Snuggled in Hope, I do make significant donations of fabric to Snuggled in Hope. I make my quilts for the veterans. Oh, I make them for rescue groups. I have two going up to Wyandotte County, which has the only horse rescue humane society in Ohio. Horse quilts go up there. We have a cat rescue group. In town, locally, we do a lot for the cat rescue. We've also been making cat hammocks for the rescue organization. Apparently, cats just love hammocks in their crates.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah, well, I never would have thought of it. But they say that as soon as the kittens are big enough to climb into those hammocks, they get in there and sleep in those hammocks. They love the hammocks. So we're busy making cat hammocks for our cat rescue, which is just a few miles up the road.
0: Do you have any projects going on right now?
1: Last year, we made chemo caps because somebody in our group had to have chemotherapy. We made chemo caps. We're not making those this year, and we used to make favors for the Veterans Dinner, but Needing about 300 favors, which would be a tiny little wall hanging or something. We discontinued that. This year, we're making quilts for Snuggled in Hope. We're making baby quilts. Nice. And the cat hammocks. Those are our projects this year.
0: Oh, great. Share a
1: quilting tip. Well, I'm a stickler on the scant quarter-inch seam and I think that quilters need to perfect that scant quarter inch seam. I've written articles about it because all quilting patterns require a scant quarter inch seam.
0: Now, back when you were talking about your first quilts, I was wondering since you came from a clothing background, did you make a larger seam and then realize to make the quarter inch seam later? Yes. And so you saw the big
1: difference that made? On that particular first quilt, it did. You know, if all your blocks are the same size and there isn't any sashing, if you're just making squares or a simple sashing, as long as your seams are all the same size, it really doesn't matter. But as soon as you get other than a simple square, then that scant quarter inch seam makes a great deal difference. Once you get into half square triangles or stars, that's when you have to be very precise with the scant quarter inch seam.
0: Have you found a way to mark your machine or how how do you go about
1: making sure you get that seam? I have people take two two and a half inch squares and sew them together, press them, because pressing is Probably at least as important as the seam. Pressing is very important. So they take two two and a half inch squares, sew them together, press them nice and flat, measure it, see what it measures. That piece should measure two and a half by four and a half. Yeah. If it's a little bit wider than the four and a half, Your seam is too narrow. More than likely, it's going to be a little less than four and a half because your seam is too wide. And they keep doing that until they've got it perfected. It's absolutely perfect. At that point, they press those two pieces back together again, put it under the pressure foot, put the needle right on the stitching line, and then they can mark their faceplate. I use scotch tape for somebody whose vision is not quite as good as mine. They might want to use a colored tape, a little piece of foam. Now all machines, the all new machines these days have a scant quarter inch foot, but they're not always accurate. So you have to make sure if you're using a scant quarter inch pressure foot you still have to go through the whole process with the two-and-a-half-inch squares, making sure that that scant quarter-inch is accurate. I think sewing machines are getting better at that. Mm Mm-hmm. I think so, too.
0: I hadn't heard that described to that extent, so that is a great tip and way to figure that out. Thank you. You're welcome. Can you tell me how you went from having quilting as a hobby and it turned to a business?
1: Well, yes, because I was working for this lady, and I was thinking I would like to have my own shop. I have to tell you, the lady I worked for taught me more about what not to do in a quilt shop than what to do. So I got ideas about my own, and when she decided to close hers, I decided to open mine.
0: I was curious, since she was closing hers, were you able to buy out her fabric, or did you just
1: start from scratch? I didn't want her fabric. I bought a few bolts from her, but not much. I did, however, buy her equipment. I bought her shelving, her cash register, and a few other things relevant to the business.
0: Mm -hmm. I take it you came up with your own name and... What is the name, and how did you come up with it?
1: Well, it's Serendipity. I spelled it with two E's on the end. My sub-model is Delightful Discoveries for Quilters. Serendipity. Delightful Discoveries for Quilters. Because serendipity means finding something unexpected in an unexpected place.
0: Oh, neat. Yes, and as quilters, we do tend to find good surprises along the way, don't we? Yes. And back in 2009 when you opened your shop, tell me about how you felt when that first customer came in.
1: I don't even remember the first customer coming in. But the shop was relatively successful from day one.
0: Now, did several of the customers of the lady you worked for find out that you were opening your shop? So Yes.
1: However, I was in the northern part. She was in the downtown area of Delaware and then in western Delaware County. When I opened my shop, it was a mile or so into Marion County. So I got a lot of new customers from the Marion community. And the Marion community... Really, were the people that launched the shop?
0: I did want to ask you. I saw on your website that your long arm quilting is done by Red Fox Long Arm. Now, is that yes. part of you, or is that someone
1: you? No, no. With? For many years, we had a quilter. Actually, she clerked in my store for many years, and she did. Absolutely beautiful, custom quilting. We never told her what to do. We just gave her a quilt and said, do with it whatever you want. And the lady was immensely talented. One of the most talented long-arm quilters that I'd ever encountered. Unfortunately, a few years ago, she moved out of the area. So Red Fox came along. And it's a husband and wife team out of LaRue, Ohio. They do only edge-to-edge quilting. They do not do custom quilting. They do only edge-to-edge quilting. They both quilt. She has a one-week turnaround. She picks up here on Wednesday. She has never failed to bring the quilted quilt back the following Wednesday.
0: That's quite the track
1: record. Their edge-to-edge quilting is so beautiful that many of us have started putting more like a solid backing on our quilt so that the quilting can be seen on the back as well as on the front. Nice. She has a table in my studio with quilting patterns, thread samples, and a form to fill out. Some people never see her. They just come in, and they pick out a quilting pattern for their quilt. They pick out a thread color, fill out the form, and leave it for her. And, of course, as I said, she picks up on Wednesdays, and she returns the following Wednesday. Wow. And where can we find your business? The address is 8948 Wiser Road, and it's at the rear of the property. With the address, GPSs get people here very nicely. I just tell them they need to pass my driveway and drive around to the back of the property. We are open seven days a week by appointment. I love working on Sundays. <laughs> the only time I don't take appointments is Saturday morning because I have another commitment on Saturday morning. Yeah. Well, by
0: appointment works great for everybody, doesn't it?
1: Yes, We give a 10% discount if a group of four or more come. Wow. I carry approximately 2,200 bolts of fabric.
0: And I'm assuming you carry a lot of the brand
1: names? Oh, yes. We carry a very wide range of shadow plays. In fact, I'm trying to reduce some of my other tone-on-tones and increase my shadow play collection. Robert Kaufman, Studio E. And one thing I have had done is a panel came out about, no, I'd say as much as 10 years ago. It's an ABC panel. On this ABC panel, we have counted about 200 items that children can pick out. In each picture has, like on the B, it's a bear and bread and many items that begin with a B. We simply put a border on that panel, we have it quilted, and it's a timeless baby blanket. I don't remember who printed it. They quit printing it. And a couple of years went by, and the designer apparently moved from that company to Riley Blake. So Riley Blake printed the panel. We sold a lot of it. Then Riley Blake said they were not going to reprint it. So my fabric representative from Checkers checked with Riley Blake. They're supposed to be doing a special printing for us. A special printing is 417 yards which I figure is about 380 quilts. Wow. And we're simply waiting for that to come in. We ordered in December. They said four months, if they could get the material to do it. So I'm thinking it may come in at any moment now.
0: It sounds like a fun
1: I Spy quilt. It's a wonderful quilt. And I can't see it ever going out of style. In fact, the new printing of it is a little more contemporary. The pictures are the same, but the, quote, "sashi." or the space between the pictures, is now white. And we picked a absolutely perfect gray and black with a green base. So we have the perfect borders for it. And we're just about as excited as we can be for it to come in and be available for people.
0: Yeah. You know how much people like that one. So that's great. Yes. Well, thanks so much for being on my podcast. I really appreciate it. And this was such fun talking with you.
1: It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Okay. Thank you. Uh Bye now. Bye.